My name is Jim Fleming, and this is Our Sunday School. I'm coming to you from the Hickson campus of Stewart Heights Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we'd love to have you come and visit us. But if you're not in the area, please go to OurSundaySchool.com to see all of the resources we saw in class. Well, good morning, everybody. All right, welcome to Our Sunday School. If you've got your Bibles, open them up to the Gospel of Mark. Uh, today is week 25. So I'm excited about week 25. I was just sharing some stuff with uh, Josh a couple of minutes ago, and uh, for those of you that have uh, listened along with us for a while now and been using the little uh, uh, ESV uh, scripture journals, um, mine is now to the blank part <clears throat> from next week and beyond because I missed a couple of Wednesday nights with Brian at Saudi Daisy, so I, I don't have his notes anymore, so I'm getting kind of fun. But uh, it's amazing what's going on in, in the Gospel of Mark so far. So just to, uh, before we read uh, Mark chapter 3, uh, just want to ask the same question that we have asked uh, several times. And it is highlighted on your handout. There we go. There we go. Yay, it worked. Uh, it is highlighted on your handout. So what is God doing in you through His Word from the portion of Mark we have studied so far. Um, and I, I try to light, lay my cards on the table regularly with you guys with this question. This is my attempt at helping us not be Pharisees. Like just storing up knowledge and storing up knowledge and storing up knowledge and storing up knowledge and then, well, yay, we're just well-educated. Well, that, that's fine. But like if, if the Spirit is not doing something inside of us, then we perhaps are doing something wrong in the process. So what is God doing in you through his word from the portion of Mark we've studied so far? Yes, ma'am. I thought your hand might go up today. We have a podcast? Oh, that's neat. All right. Cool. Yeah, that is all Dave Barber. <laughs> yes. It's amazing, isn't it? It's really one of the most beautiful things about all of Christianity is that we not only have a God who loves us and cares for us, but uh, communes with us, which is like, I, that's this whole other thing. So, all right, somebody else. What is God teaching you through the portion of Mark that we've studied so far? An Episcopalian funeral, yes. Yep. Yes.
seem to touch him. And that's a very different relationship from like in that. Yeah, liturgy can be exceedingly helpful, right, to ground us in truth, to catechize us to uh, good biblical answers to things, and liturgy can also be a checklist that can put distance between us and the creator of the universe, who, again, desires to know and communicate with us in beautiful, beautiful ways. So, excellent, good. So, so one question to ask ourselves as we go through today's text, starting in Mark 3, 7, is... How like the crowd am I? Right? So there's one question to ask. I think there's probably four or five really, really insightfully helpful questions to ask about this particular text. But let's read uh, Mark chapter 3, and then we'll get back into verses 7 and maybe through 12. Maybe. And y'all know what I mean when I say maybe, right? Like there's no chance. There's not a chance. There's not a chance. All right, so Mark chapter 3. So, so far in Mark, uh, we have been introduced to Jesus in chapter 1. John the Baptist prepares the way. Uh, Jesus is baptized. He is tempted. He begins his ministry. He calls his first few disciples, uh, uh, Peter, Andrew, uh, James, and John. He heals a man. He heals many people. He preaches. He heals more. He heals more. He calls Levi. He answers questions of the Pharisees uh, in really incredible ways. Uh, He answers more questions of the Pharisees, and then he answers more questions of the Pharisees. So there are trends that are going on so far in the Gospel of Mark. So let's read Mark chapter 3. Again, he entered the synagogue, and a man was there with a withered hand. And they watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath, so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to them, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy him. And Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea, and a great crowd followed from Galilee and Judea, and Jerusalem, and Idumea, and from beyond the Jordan, and from around Tyre and Sidon. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him. And he told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many, so that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down and cried before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the twelve, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, that is, sons of thunder, Andrew, and Philip, and Bartholomew, and Matthew, and Thomas, and James the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again, so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. 
And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed of, by Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons he casts out the demons. And he called them to him and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying, He has an unclean spirit. And his mother and brothers came, and standing outside they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. All right, so let's go back and let's start with verse 7 in chapter 3. And there's, uh, so on your handout, uh, four pages today with a staple. There you go, you're welcome. Um, there's a lot of things that we have already covered as far as specific words in this handout. So I don't want to go back uh, and I don't want to cover words that we've already covered. Uh, so we're going to skip through quite a bit of stuff and then focus on some very specific things and those things I've highlighted. So verse 7, uh, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the sea. And a great crowd followed from Galilee. So uh, if you've got your maps in the back of your book, you have your maps. Got your maps? All right. Where is uh, Galilee? Ta-da, right there. Uh, Galilee is right here on your maps. Um, so where is the sea that he's talking about? The Sea of Galilee, right? Yeah. So uh, the crowd followed from Galilee. And where else? Anywhere else? In Judea, right? So where's Judea? You're like, oh, okay. So this is... It's like this whole other section, significantly farther south, right? So this is not a, they followed from Hickson, and they followed from North Hickson, and they followed, no, 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 this is, this is a long, it's a pretty good way. So from Galilee, uh, from Judea, uh, and Jerusalem. So where's Jerusalem? It's got the, the red star here. So this would be a head nod to, there were... A certain type of people that were coming because the people who lived in the outer skirts are not the exact same type of people who live in the big city, right? So we're covering different types of people. And Idumea, which I think is one of the funnest words to say in all of uh, Mark because it sounds like something that the doctor has diagnosed you with. I'm, I'm so sorry you have Idumea. You're like, what is that? He's <laughs> like, I'm messing with you. Right? So, so not only from really close, but far away from big city and even from more distant regions. Right? So these folks are coming from long ways away. So sometimes, uh, if you are like me, I have a tendency when I see a list of names or a list of cities to go, uh, 
yay, God values places and people. Boy, that's a wonderful story, right? And that's true. But sometimes when we look at them on a map, we go, oh, they walked a long ways. All right, good to know. 68 from what? That's a long ways. And Idumea is even farther, so probably 70 plus, maybe even 80. Yeah, in Knoxville. <laughs> However, and we've talked about this several times, if you have some issue and there's a guy that can fix it, where are you going to go? Right. We went to Cincinnati <laughs> and we're happy that it was just Cincinnati. And by the way, he's here today. I didn't think I was going to go there. That was awesome. Thank you for the 68 miles. I have tried to resist lately, uh, like Google mapping you guys to death with this, but it is helpful uh, to have some context of how long this is. All right, so from uh, Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea, and I skipped a highlight. What's the highlight I skipped? There's something really small that's highlighted. In between Judea and Jerusalem, something really small that's highlighted on your handout. Yeah, eight. So you've heard me talk about sometimes there are unfortunate chapter breaks in the Bible. You're like, oh, could you not have like just extended this chapter a couple more verses? Because all that really goes with this over here. I don't know what they're thinking with this verse division. It's a really weird verse division. Because <laughs> it would have been a neat place to put, you know, the, the crowd followed. Um, from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and from beyond the Jordan and from round Tyre and Sidon. Period. Eight. Those are not divinely inspired. Okay? So just FYI. I just wanted to cover that. Uh, all right. So from beyond the Jordan and from around Tyre and Sidon. So where's Tyre and Sidon? Where's Tyre and Sidon? Yeah. So like way up here. So what part of Israel are people coming from? Yes. Good. Excellent answer. All over the place. And I've highlighted Tyre and Sidon there because they always show up together in Mark. When you see one, you see the other. You just, they're, just, they're, they're paired up. And we'll touch on that when we get to chapter 7 in 2021-ish. I don't know. Ish. It's all right. You guys keep coming, and I'm going really slow, so I'm riding that horse, okay? <laughs> when the great crowd heard all that he was doing, and the herd there is a present participle active. This is a repeated hearing. This was not a one-time thing. This was over and over and over and over and over. When they heard all that he was doing, they came to him. Does this make sense? Everybody following logically here at this point? Okay, they came to him. All right, next slide, Dave. Verse 9, and he told his disciples to have a boat. Sorry, back up just a second. He told who? His disciples. Who are his disciples at this point in Mark? Don't go listing the 12 apostles. We ain't got there yet. All right. Who are his disciples at this point? Matthew, Peter, James, and John, and the guy that everybody forgets, 
Andrew. That's right. Don't be leaving Andrew out. Andrew's important. Andrew's one of the most beautiful people in the entire New Testament. He just, oh, I love Andrew. Four of those five, what was their occupation? Fishermen. What was the fifth one? Where was his office set up? On the sea. Now, I want you to think about this for just a second. How far into Mark are we? Not very far. Okay. How much deep theological truth have the disciples had an opportunity to learn at the feet of Jesus at this point? What have they seen him do according to Mark? Heal people and cast out demons and answer the Pharisees. Yes. (laughs) And irritate them while he's doing it, right? Yes. So he... Two broad buckets of what they've seen him do, heal people and answer uh, the religious elite. That's kind of the big buckets, all right? What has Jesus asked them to do up to this point? That's right. What else? What else? Yeah. All right. So here we go. You ready? I'm going to teach an old lesson in 30 seconds. You guys may remember for a long, long, long time ago, we did these series called uh, Bible Characters You've Probably Never Heard Of. It was a lot of fun. I learned all sorts of stuff about these characters that I had just uh, skipped past these people and really neat stuff. And the conclusion that I came to over and over and over and over again in this Bible Characters You've Probably Never Heard Of is Jesus did not ask people to use and do things they were not already familiar with generally. He generally asked people to use the knowledge and the skills they already had and to do activities with stuff they already had in their hands. And you heard me say this phrase, use what is in your hand. You remember this. Yay, good. Use what's in your hand. I love that the first job that Jesus gives these disciples in Mark is to go get a boat. Because he has just taken something that was a reminder, going back in time here, he has just taken something that was a reminder to them of them not being good enough to be in the educational hierarchy of that time because they were fishermen, right? They were not in rabbinical training school. Other people were in rabbinical training school, not these disciples. He has just told them, we're going to go back and use that thing that reminds you that you're not good enough, and you're going to use that for God. I really like this. He also, the first assignment he gave them was not Peter stand up on the day of Pentecost and preach a sermon to thousands of people. Right? Jesus, here's your bad joke for the day, eases them into the water of service. It's the exact same response that Josh gave me when I told him that joke this morning. Excellent. Good. All right. At least you're consistent, if nothing else, right? All right, so he told his disciples to have a boat ready. So let's go to the next one there, Dave. Uh, Actually go three more to the moods. Ta-da! I found the mood slide. All right, this is what I was looking for last week, and I was like, where is the subjunctive and the optative? I do not see them anywhere. All right, so uh, 30 seconds on Greek grammar. Uh, When you have a verb in Greek, it has a a number, so it's singular, plural. Uh, It has a... Uh, a voice, it has a mood, it has a, all sorts of different things. The mood is a, uh, a perspective on, 
it's hard to describe, like what type of a verb you need to use this. So you can have statements of fact from the perspective of the speaker. You can have commands. You can say this is probable. You can say this is like remotely possible. Um, you can make it an ing, so you're doing it over and over. Or you can put a to in front of it and have this kind of a verbal noun, which I still think is a concept that just makes my head hurt every time I say it. But there's that. This is a subjunctive. <clears throat> So he told his disciples to have a boat ready. So go get a boat ready because there is a probability or a possibility. That's what's embedded in this word ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. Do you see the crush there is also in subjunctive? So he's, he's preparing for something that is reasonably possible. All right. And the word crush just means to crowd. It means to, to, to lean in on. So, um, man, I don't want to do this. Oh, I know what we're going to do. Josh, you're going to do this. How's your back feeling? Good. Excellent. I need you stand in the middle of the room. Um, uh, that's an imperative. <laughs> stand in the middle of the room. <laughs> yes. All right. Matt Velosin. Um, uh, Dave Barber. Uh, Mr. Goble, uh, who else we got? Grant, come on, come on. <laughs> Josh is like, wait, wait, wait. I was the first one listed here. Where are we going? <laughs> uh, can y'all lean on him just a little bit? Now, Josh and I have a couple things in common. Uh, one of them is we don't like to be touched. <laughs> and <laughs> sometimes it's nice being the teachers, all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you like, you like to be touched? M most people do not. Um, do, so if you do, do let, me, let me modify the question. Do you like to be touched by people you don't know? Now, now we've kind of gotten into like, there's a very small percentage of people that say yes to that, and they make uh, pills for that. So you should probably like <laughs> go talk to your, your doctor about that maybe, I don't know. Um, but if you have walked miles and miles and miles and miles, what is your emotional state when you see the guy if I can just get there, like if I can just like if, if if I can just get there, how hard, how urgent, how much of a passion do you have in those last couple of hundred feet? That's right. You're going down, Matt. Right. Does this make sense? Does this make because we, we blow past this and we're like, yeah, there was a crowd and they wanted to touch him and. Dozens of miles they had walked. All right, thank you guys. Josh is like, what else are we going to do? No. <laughs> then we come to verse 10. It's beautiful, right? For he had healed many. And, and at this point in Mark, you're like, yes, you have mentioned this a time or two, right? So he had healed many so that all who had diseases... Uh, 
it's a really strange word. It, it literally means like the, the Roman whip that they would use to, to whip criminals with. And if you think about this, um, figuratively, it means a disease. It's like, well, that's kind of strange. Well, think about it. If, <laughs> if I whip you long enough and don't give you proper medical care afterward, guess what's going to happen to you? Not good things medically, right? There's going to be stuff that deteriorates. And this is not going to, so this is the, the, the concept here. Who had diseases pressed. This means either to embrace with affection or to seize with more or less violence. So a lot of range of definition here, right? So they're pressing around him to touch him. All right, so let's look at a couple, let's look at a couple of verses. So let's go to uh, Mark chapter 5, verses 27 and 28. We'll see this word touch used there a couple of times. One more forward for me, Dave. Thank you, Sarah. And we'll park it there for the rest of the lesson. Thank you, sir. Most of you did not know that Dave Barber, for, uh, with no complaint, no gripe, no whatever, was very patiently leaned up against the wall, just waiting for me to say, next slide. I hope you have people in your life that love you like Dave Barber loves me. I hope you do. Where were we at? Touching. Okay. Yes. That is not something that Dave and I are big on. Like we like high five. So <clears throat> I didn't want you to think like this word, maybe oh, yeah, we got to clear that up. All right. So uh, Jesus heals a woman and Jairus' daughter. Uh, verse 25, there was a woman who had, this is Mark chapter 5, there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and, after, and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. That's the same word back in chapter 3. Let's go to Mark chapter 8. Verse 22. And they came to Bethsaida. And some people brought to him a blind man and begged him, Jesus, to touch him, the blind man. <laughs> Makes sense, right? They begged him. To touch the blind man. Because what has Mark established by the time we get to chapter 8? If you touch Jesus, you're good. Right? You're good. And then Mark chapter 10. Verse 13. Lest you think, like... I want you to draw a distinction between being aware that the crowds could crush him and disliking someone touching him. Those are two different things. All right? So verse 13 in chapter 10, and they were bringing, just the crowd, were bringing children to him that he might touch them. This is proactive. <laughs> right? And, his, and the disciples rebuked them. You're like, oh, he's about to lay it down. Verse 14, but when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, to the disciples, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. 
Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them where? In his arms. You're like, and blessed them, laying his hands on them. This is a beautiful image of what we can be doing for our children too. It is okay to take your kids in your arms and to bless them. That is good. It is good for them to hear you invoking God's blessing on their lives. It is a good thing. So that's how touching is used in Mark. So back to 3, uh, 3.10. So that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. Verse 11, and whenever the unclean spirits... Now, if anybody ever tries to tell you that adjectives don't matter, adjectives matter. In the Bible, they really matter because that word for spirits is the word pneuma. It's the same word for Holy Spirit, right? You put hagios in front of pneuma and you're talking about God. If you put akathartos in front of pneuma, you're talking about impure. Like adjectives matter. <laughs> like make sure your kids gets at least a C in English because it matters on how some of this stuff works. All right. And the unclean spirits saw him. We're going to skip past a couple of highlights there for just a second. And they fell down before him. Who's writing? Good. Who do we think Mark has talked to? Peter? Does anybody think it's interesting that you can see an unclean spirit fall down? Did anybody skip past that? You're like, wait, what? Yeah. So two uh, bottom shelf answers here. One, they were indwelling a person, and it was obvious, and this person was doing the falling down. Another is they took some type of a form, and they were able to be seen. I do not care which one it was, because the point is what? They fell down. That's right. And they didn't just fall down, they fell down where? Before him. That's right. And cried out. All right. Look at Mark 9 24. I want to show you where this word cried shows up. The word literally means uh, to croak or to scream out, to, to shriek or exclaim. This is loud, this is not whispering. Okay. One of the things that bugged me when I was a little bitty kid and sit in church and I heard somebody say one time, they said, you know, the, the original copies of the scripture had no punctuation. And I was like, that would be hard. Like, that'd be, like, that's really hard. Like, how do you know when a sentence stops and a sentence ends? And how do you know when somebody's really serious? And how do you know? The words themselves will tell you this was something that they did with great emphasis, right? So Mark 9, 24 uh, it, uh, let's look at uh, verse 23. And Jesus says to him, this is the, the father who is uh, talking to uh, Jesus about his son. Uh, Jesus said to him, uh, if you can, all things are possible for the one who believes. Verse 24, immediately the father of the child cried out. Right? This is someone with a, a child that needed help. And said, I believe, help my unbelief. And what piece of punctuation do you see at the end of that sentence? It's an exclamation point, yes. 
Look at Mark eleven nine. My copy of Mark does not lay flat at that point. So if you see me up here like pushing, I'm trying to get it to lay flat so I can read it. There we go. And this is Jesus uh, entering into Jerusalem. Uh, Verse 9, And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, that's the word, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. How many exclamation points are there? Is there four? Because they were shouting, right? So I want you to get the tone right before we read what these demons in chapter 3 say. So 3.11 And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out. So far, this is my least favorite part. This verse is my least favorite part of the ESV. Do you see the punctuation mark at the end of the sentence? It's a period! So, I will never tell you to scratch something off and put something different in in an English copy of the Bible. I think that is a very dangerous practice to... But maybe say it a little stronger in your head when you read it than just a period. Okay? That'll be my suggestion. They shrieked out, You are the Son of God! I want you to think about something for just a second. Jesus has done head nods to this so far with the Pharisees and with his disciples, but has not been like utterly, explicitly, super, really clear so far. But the disciples were there and they're hearing this repeated process of these demons falling down, exclaiming, you are the son of God. Do you think they might remember this? Yes, very much so. This would freak you out. Okay? Like, I don't know what scares you, but this probably would put you into the, yeah, I'm kind of wigged out a little bit here, right? Some of you right now are like, yeah, I got chill bumps. That's just kind of weird. Okay. That's what's happening here. They follow around all the time, right? I'd put a nickel on it. Text didn't say it, but I mean, they were always hanging out. Verse 12, and he, who's the he? Jesus, yes. He strictly, he, he, he very specifically ordered, he admonished or censured them. And I've got other verses there that you can go look up how the word ordered works. We're running out of time. I've got to land the plane. He ordered them not to make, this is a subjunctive, Because it was a possibility that they could make him known. And the word for known is shining. To be public. To be very visible. To be uh, open and able to be seen. Uh, It was not a hide your light. This was a very, very open public knowledge. Go to Mark 6, 14. And we'll end with this one. Because in Mark 3, Jesus is still trying to keep that fact that he is the Son of God kind of, sort of, slightly under wraps. But by the time we get to Mark 6, 14, King Herod heard of it, 
for Jesus' name had become known. It's the same word. Cat's out of the bag. Even, even, even the governmental leaders knew who Jesus was. And things are different after that point. And sometime in 2020, we'll get there, maybe. We'll see. So, application, tons of applications today, right? Use what is in your hand. If you are new to Christianity, do not, do not put an exceedingly high burden on yourself to know everything all at once. Like, it's okay. There's a process for learning and growing and, and knowing God more. What do we do with that? Well, like, don't get out in front of what God is teaching us. Um, go the pace that he is explaining uh, and be obedient when opportunities arise. I mean, we've been talking for the last couple of weeks in church about service and ministry. And I, my, my take on this is very simple. Look in your hands. What has God showed you how to do? What has he enabled you how to do? What has he uh, empowered you to do? What do you have available? Go and use that. We don't need anything else other than what God has given you and the Spirit has enabled you to do. Because it is his job to move the pieces around so that we have what we need. And he does that flawlessly. We just need to be obedient. So with that, we did get through that text. Look at there. Who knew? That's fantastic stuff. All right, so next week we'll start with Mark. Here's your one blank on your handout. Terry, we have gone to one blank on the handout. You feel like you want to read? You need a refund, right? Yeah. <laughs> So we will start with uh, Mark 3, what's the next verse? 13, excellent, 13. And if you want to come knowing how to sing the song next week, I think that's totally and completely appropriate because we might sing the song next week. Uh, so your homework this week is to pray for help in understanding Mark, to hear Mark multiple times. Uh, did we have a podcast? We have a podcast, don't we? Yes, you can go to OurSundaySchool.com and subscribe for the email, the podcast, the YouTube. We put this on YouTube. Like, people watch this. They watch me up here doing all this crazy stuff, and it's absolutely, I think it's hilarious. Uh, think about Mark. Talk with somebody, uh, dead or alive, about Mark, and then share your insights about Mark and invite a member and a non-member. That is our homework. So with that, your weekly update is on your table. If you will, take a couple of minutes uh, lean in, engage, pray over these prayer requests, make any changes or updates that need to be made. And then after you have prayed as a table, you are dismissed to go and to worship this one whom even the demons proclaim is the Son of God. It's amazing stuff. Thanks for coming today, guys. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and to our weekly email. You can do both at OurSundaySchool.com.